The first lesson is taken from St. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 18 to 30, and that's on page 1021 of the Bible. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter mentioned motion to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. The second reading is uh, St. John's Gospel, chapter 18, verses 1 to 5. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing that what was going to happen to him, went out and asked him, "'Who is it you want?' Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. We are continuing in our Lent series looking, using John's Gospel to look really at the last 24 hours or less even of uh, Jesus' life. Last week we looked at... uh, the washing of the feet and this week we look at Jesus betrayed by Judas. I don't know if you uh, watch MasterChef, we quite like, I mean there's far too much of it to keep up with, but we quite like MasterChef in our um, household Uh, and they produce kind of posh food, the kind of which uh, never quite sees, uh, I imagine, the tables really of, of anyone in the room, unless you are particularly keen on, on creating sort of marvellous uh, dishes from scratch in your own kitchens. But there's something which I'd never heard of uh, before, um, before MasterChef, which was doing things, and it seems quite popular actually, Um, along with scallops and black pudding, which comes up every uh, series. Um, The other thing which uh, they they do is they do things three ways. Uh, 
So you get carrots three ways. You get, some, you know, whatever it is, oysters three ways. Well, today, there's a sense in which my reflections with you is betrayal three ways. In a way, each of these could have been a sort of full sermon itself. So I'm going to do three kind of angles in on this story. Each of them could be explored further, could be a bigger meal, but actually I'm going to share all three rather than just choosing the one and uh, focusing absolutely on that. The first angle, the first way in which I'm going to present this, this betrayal to you is, I suppose, looking at the, the emotion of it. Because I am imagining that many in this room will know what it is like to be betrayed. Not betrayed to death, otherwise you would not be sitting here, but betrayed. Somebody you had trusted. Somebody you had loved and possibly loved still. actually betraying that trust and love. Some of you know that all too well, the emotional pain of that journey, that experience. I've not experienced it at its worst, but I've experienced levels of it. One of the things which I discovered when I went through an experience of betrayal in, of, of kinds in quite recent years is suddenly you look back, or at least I did, at all the experiences which happened before, all the aspects of the friendship before that point for it. it was a friendship in my case and just thinking that had seemed rich and good and pure and lovely and now I see it with different eyes and it seems tainted and, and impure and untrustworthy. And suddenly, you, as it were, you get a different set of, of spectacles with which <laughs> to look at all the experiences with that person who has betrayed you and wondered, I wonder what was happening on that day which had seemed so good or on that experience which had seemed so right at the time. What was all that about? Well, Jesus was betrayed. And he comes in knowing that this is what is happening and about to happen. He knows it. And he knows the person. <laughs> For they ask... They're all looking at each other. I don't know if any of them are looking at themselves, other than Judas. 
and saying, does he mean me? What's this all about? <laughs> or does he mean him? But Jesus, Jesus knows. And how does it put it here? This is to fulfill the passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has lifted up his heel against me. <laughs> the one with whom I've shared <laughs> is now hostile. And as it were, acting that out, he positively shares bread <laughs> a wee bit later, having dipped it with Judas. Jesus knew he was being betrayed. So the spectacles, as it were, which I spoke about when I reinterpreted all that had happened, <laughs> Jesus has those knowing glasses on, as it were, during the experience. And he washes Judas's feet and he shares a meal with him. Great love. Another insight into the heart of Jesus and knowing that when you get an insight into the heart of Jesus, you get an insight into the heart of God. Betrayal three ways. The psychological and Jesus knowing. But also maybe the more hmm, theological. And we're not going to be able to fully unpack. Well, I'm not going to pretend that if I'd taken this as my main thing, we would have fully unpacked it anyway. But some of the theology. Was this betrayal a part of God's plan? I think the answer to that is yes, but it's not, it's not easy navigating your way through this. I have lost a theological argument with a preschooler over this very issue. I don't think that the people who killed Jesus did anything wrong said four-year-old I said I think they did and have a discussion and just waits until I mention the fact that it is part of God's plan that Jesus dies and then just ha ha because <laughs> it's not easy is it be you four or 14 or 44 or 84. You know, it's, it's not easy understanding how God weaves together human action of all kinds, particularly human action which is wrong and evil and somehow weaves together his purposes. Uh, what's that about? How, how is that? It is a very deep theological question, a very deep paradox, if you like. Romans 8.28, a famous verse, which I will read to you. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. What's, what's that about? 
It's, it's, and when we look at the betrayal of Jesus, it's kind of that big question about how, how is God using the bad stuff as well as the good stuff and weaving it together. And we kind of see that in microcosm, in narrative form, in history worked out in the betrayal of Jesus. Because Jesus had come to Jerusalem to die. He had come to be executed. And yet, Judas did not do right in betraying Jesus. Evil is still evil, even when God takes the threads and uses them. I am, shocking news, I am not a martial arts expert. Okay, but my understanding which is very limited, and you might be able to correct me afterwards, um, my limited understanding of the martial art called jujitsu is that in jujitsu, you take the power and violence, as it were, which is directed towards you, and you redirect it to the um, detriment of your enemy. So if, as it were, if they lunge at you, you use their momentum, their strength, not your own, to go and unsettle them and to defend yourself. I think there is something in that as a model for what God does with evil. He's the kind of master of the counter-attack. He takes that which is wrong and which is sort of launched against him and and somehow takes it and twists it and turns it and redirects it. Because evil is still evil, but God is still God and he's not lost control. Evil is still evil. Betrayal is still betrayal, but God is still God and is in ultimate control and the betrayal of Jesus is as I've said possibly the prime example we have or one of them the greatest betrayal turned and used to fulfill God's greatest purpose and so how about when bad things happen to you do you think that God might be able not to to suddenly call the bad things good Because that's not what's happening here. It's not calling the bad things good. And I don't think that's what's happening in Romans 8, saying using all things to work together for the good. He's not calling bad things good, but he's saying, do you believe that God can even take that awful thing and somehow weave it into his purposes for good? Betrayal three ways. The kind of philosophical, theological, that's the one we just looked at, the the psychological. But also, how about Judas himself? Judas was chosen, selected for high office, and yet became a traitor. He was chosen by Jesus. There's lots which I do not understand. But he was chosen by Jesus. He was one of the (laughs) twelve. And therefore, when you, when you read the Gospels and you, you see and read of the 12 doing stuff, feeding of the 5,000, 12 baskets, Judas is among them, giving out the food, 
picking up the pieces. When Jesus sends out the 12 on mission, Judas is there. Seeing the healings, maybe taking part in, in, in praying for healings and, 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 and release for people. And yet we come to this point. What made him do it? We are not really told. There are hints, there are pointers. One pointer is greed. One pointer is greed. He did it for the money. And as with all kinds of human behaviour, it is very rare, I think, that what we do is because of one motivation makes us do this. You know, why did you change job? Was it because you were unhappy with the current job? Was it because the other job looked good? Was it because you wanted a change of area? Was well, sometimes it's not just one of those things, is it? Various things. And maybe greed, I think, is part of it. I, I struggle to see it's the whole of it. But we're told it's a part of it. I also think he must have been disillusioned. Disillusioned with Jesus, which is a difficult thing sort of get your head around when you see him picking up the pieces of the feeding of the 5,000. <laughs> Disillusioned at some point later. But then some of us get disillusioned with our walk with Christ at times. <laughs> and if you look back at the great highlights of what God has done, just say, well, how could that person <laughs> do that? And give up on it all. So maybe he was disillusioned with Jesus. Greedy for gain. Some have also suggested that Judas might have been doing this kind of to force Jesus' hand. That Jesus just wasn't being the kind of military messiah that people were wanting and expecting. And therefore, what better way to actually get him to pick up the military mantle and move into proper rebellion leader mode than bringing a whole lot of soldiers to his door? <laughs> Some people have suggested that that might have been part of it, that, that Judas was just trying to, trying to force things on a bit. Maybe. But you don't actually get to that point without also being disillusioned and not really trusting. <laughs> because I do think, at the heart of it, he didn't really trust Jesus. He didn't really trust Jesus. He wanted to gain, he wanted to twist, he wanted to force the issue. He wanted Jesus to be other than he was. <laughs> and actually, not trusting Jesus and wanting things your own way is almost the definition of sin. Not trusting God and wanting things your own way. And here he is, acting it out. So there it is, my reflections. Betrayal, 
three ways. Jesus loving and serving his betrayer, even as he knew what was happening. God working through things which are evil and remain evil and wrong. But he's the master of the counterattack who weaves even these things into his purposes. And Judas failing to trust and acting in his own way. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, help us to trust. Help us to walk faithfully and not to walk away. And help us to embody and display your love even when that is massively costly. For this is your calling. In Jesus' name. Amen.